the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. There can be moments of just this divine revelation where God gives you this wise thing that you that you can say to someone in its proper timing, in the right way, not arrogantly. One of the things about the gifts of the Spirit, friends, is you know, if, if you know and believe that God has given you some of these gifts, don't walk around arrogantly operating in them. There's nothing more offensive and, and off-putting than some saint in the church who comes up to you and says, I have a word of wisdom for you, thus saith the Lord. Oh, please. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. You have to be careful as a representative of God, whether it's in the church or outside of it. When God desires to speak through you, it has nothing to do with your merit or personal accomplishments. You did nothing to deserve that responsibility. As Pastor Gary exhorts us in today's message, as you carry the Word of God to the people around you, do so with humility and love. If you take any joy in pointing out the faults and weaknesses of others, you are doing it for the wrong reasons. The good news is, our God knows what it means to humble Himself, and you can learn a lot from His example. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Remember in the Old Testament where there were two moms who claimed that one baby belonged to both of them. One was a liar, one was telling the truth. And what did Solomon do? In that age-old wisdom, we even refer to Solomonic wisdom because we talk about how he said, well, why don't you go ahead and cut that baby in half and I'll split it. Since you guys can't figure out who the real mom is, I'll give, I'll give one of you the head and I'll give the others the legs. Yeah, and what happens is, most of you know the story, the real mom spoke up and said, no, 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 don't, don't you ever do such a thing. You can, give it, you can give it to her. And then Solomon knew. Then you're, you must be the mom because you were quick to defend this child like only a mother would. That was a word of wisdom. God gave Solomon a word of wisdom for that moment. Uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 25 verse 11 says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. There can be moments of just this divine revelation where God gives you this wise thing that you, that you can say to someone in its proper timing, in the right way, 
not arrogantly. One of the things about the gifts of the Spirit, friends, is you know, if, if you know and believe that God has given you some of these gifts, don't walk around arrogantly operating in them. There's nothing more offensive and, and off-putting than some saint in the church who comes up to you and says, I have a word of wisdom for you, thus saith the Lord. Oh, please. Please, don't walk, don't do that. Don't walk around just, can I see you? I have a word of wisdom for you. Just, I mean, if it's really a word of wisdom, do you have to announce it? You know, if it's really from God, do you have to, do you have to give your credentials, your street cred up front? I have a word of wisdom from God and I just want you to know. Just say what you need to say and move on. If it's really from God, it, it'll, it'll come to pass and it'll be meaningful. If not, you don't have to announce it. It's just crazy stuff that goes on in the body of Christ today in the name of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the same goes for word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is inspired information about a matter or a person. So sometimes you may feel like God has given you a specific thing to about someone that is important in, in a certain situation. Um, I'll give you an example from Scripture. You know, Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit, obviously. And John chapter 4, I think, is a wonderful example of it. When the conversation with the woman at the well... And she's a Samaritan and Jesus is a Jew and they're having this conversation back and forth. And finally, what does Jesus want to do? He wants to cut to the heart of the matter and he wants to really deal with the heart issues in this dear woman's life. And so he says to her, out of blue, out of the blue, it seems like it's out of the blue, it's not. He says, why don't you go call your husband? You know, I know we're having a fancy conversation here and this is really wonderful, but I'd like to meet your husband. Why don't you go call your husband? And she says, I have no husband. And he says, well, right, you are. The fact of the matter is, You've been married five times, and the guy you're shacking up with right now is number six. She was just exposed wide open. What was that? That was a word of knowledge where Jesus had insight into this woman's heart, and he said something to get right to the core of the matter so that then the real issues could be dealt with. So sometimes God will give a person a word of knowledge about another individual that is helpful and insightful into their situation. Then we also have mentioned here in Scripture, number three is faith. Now, faith, the definition is the gift of faith, a special ability to trust and rest in the promises or possibilities of God for a given situation. Now, I need to, I need to mention this as we talk about the gift of faith. So let me clarify. There are different kinds of faith in the Bible. There is saving faith. All right, this is not a gift of faith. This is saving faith. This is Ephesians 2.8, which says, For it is by grace are we saved through faith, and this is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. Every single one of us who come to salvation in Jesus Christ, who believe in him, exercise faith. That's not the gift of faith. That's just faith that we need to exercise to be saved. There's also in the Bible examples of trusting faith. This is when you believe God against all odds. This is Abraham. He's 100 years old, and God tells him, you're going to have a, a kid. And he believes God, and it is credited to him as righteousness. That is a trusting faith. And then there is the gift of faith. And this is a special thing that God gives some people to be able to just trust God in the most difficult of situations. Now, I personally think my wife has this gift. She may not say it because she, she's too humble to say it, but I'll say it for her. There have, there have been situations and circumstances that my wife is just like rock solid, like I'm just trusting God over this. 
And me, on the other hand, you know, I'm in the corner cuddled up in a fetal position, you know, because I don't, I don't have the same kind of faith. I'm exaggerating, but nevertheless, you know, and, and she just has that ability to just kind of believe God and trust God in the midst of circumstances. And some of you know what that kind of gift is, because you have that. You just, and, you know, th- those of you who have it, and those of us who don't, and, I'll, and I'm, I'm one who does not, I, you know, I shouldn't envy. That's not a good thing. That's a sin, really. But... Um, but I kind of like the way that you have that gift because you're just like a rock. You're like a rock in the middle of a storm and you just seem, and it's almost to those who don't have the gift, it's almost completely unnatural because in many ways it is because we're sitting around going, like, why aren't you worked up? You know, those who don't have the gift, we're like, why aren't you bothered about this? Why aren't you worked up? Why aren't you in a, in a knot? I am. You should be in a knot too. <laughs> you ever notice a way when you're like miserable, you want someone else to be miserable with you? Join my miserable party. Why are you so happy and faith-filled? Because they might have the gift of faith. It's the gift of faith. And then we have, moving on to the list, we also have mentioned here the gift of healing. Now, this is the supernatural ability of God working through a person to cure illnesses or restore health apart from natural means. Now, besides the example of Jesus healing people in Scripture, we see examples in the New Testament church of Peter in Acts 3. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to uh, read that passage real quickly because I, I just want to tell you the imagery that comes to my mind. So in Acts chapter 3, now this is right after, you know, the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. And the New Testament church is filled with the Holy Spirit and the gifts function liberally for the very first time by the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3 tells us Peter's going to the temple at the time of prayer and he comes upon a guy the Bible describes as crippled. And it says in Acts 3, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him as, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So you have this wonderful story. Now here's the reason I share this, because I'm convinced Peter had to have had also, not just the gift of healing, evidence from this chapter, but the gift of faith. Because this has never been done outside of Jesus' ministry. So you, you just get through coming out of this upper room experience and tongues of fire and the Holy Spirit and wind and you know all this kind of stuff, and then you're going to the temple, now all filled with the Spirit. If you don't have the gift of faith, I guarantee you, you see this man crippled, you're going to be like, ah, let's try this out. <laughs> Silver or gold I don't have, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. You know what I'm saying to you? But, you know, I I would have been kind of like that, I think, because I don't have that gift of faith. I would have been like, I hope this works, Lord. You know, I really don't want to look silly. Can you get up, please? But Peter, this is a man of faith, but he also exercised the gift of healing. We also see Paul in Acts chapter 14. There was a man crippled in the city of Lystra. That, that Paul heals. And, and Paul also raises a guy from the dead who fell out of a window because Paul was preaching too long. Thank God you don't have to fall out of a window. You, I'm talking about. Anyway, 
Dr. A.J. Gordon, who lived from 1836 to 1895, he was the founder of Gordon College and Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He did a careful study of church history from the earliest times up until his time in the mid-1800s to document the gift of healing. And he wrote a book called The Ministry of Healing back in the mid-1800s to document different examples of the miracle of healing through the, the church age. And I only mention the book because, um, again, for, for people who feel like, well, hasn't that gift ceased at the end of the apostolic age? Um, Gordon wrote this book, Dr. Gordon wrote this book to document examples of miraculous healings that God is still at work. In fact, as part of his research, he even documents during the period of John Wesley in the 1700s, how there were even great miraculous healing revival services um, where the Spirit of God was working to heal people. Now, this is a very touchy subject, and it's a, a, a difficult subject, and the reason is because, again, this is one of these unfortunate gifts that people have misused even in the church today because... I've heard people, I've heard people with my own ears say things like, you wouldn't be in your wheelchair if you had enough faith. That just, that just is nonsense. That is nonsense. Now, it is, it is not a contradiction to say that God still can heal today and God can still give people the gift of healing so that he might work through them, so that he, God, might heal people, and also to say that not everybody gets healed, not in this side of heaven, necessarily. That is not a contradiction. We, ha we have to be willing to embrace both. It's, it, you, you don't have to say, well, I believe God heals everybody, and if, he, and, if, and if you're not healed, then it must be a lack of faith or sin in your life. That's even worse. I've heard that one, too. We, ha we have to be willing to say God can and still does heal, but not necessarily everyone this side of heaven gets healed. That's not a contradiction. That is, a, that is deferring to the sovereignty of God. I can't answer for you why it is that some people can be miraculously healed and why it is that others will be taken to heaven. But that is just sometimes the way God works. When you look at a, a balance of Scripture, I think the argument can be made that God heals some medically, some miraculously, and some eternally. Jesus even said, it is the sick who need a doctor. He didn't discount doctors. I'm thankful for medicine and medical advancement and doctors and nurses and, and all of you in, in the medical profession. I'm thankful. And uh, as believers, if you're a believer in the medical profession, you know that the skill that you have is, is something God has given you and you're just kind of the instrument. God's the ultimate one who does the healing anyway. You can stitch someone together and you can surgically remove this and remove that, but ultimately the body heals itself because God made the body to heal itself. And that God is the ultimate great physician and God is the ultimate healer and doctors can only do so much. All right? And I know that the, the old joke about doctors and a God complex and everything, but okay. But anybody who's sensible enough knows that doctors can only do so much. But oh, how thankful we should be for doctors. And God can use doctors to bring healing to, to some people's bodies. And God can also miraculously touch people and heal them. I remember when Terry was pregnant with our middle son, Austin, who's here tonight somewhere. I don't know where Austin is. And we went in for our normal 
you know, you get the sonogram thing done, you listen to the heartbeat and all of that prenatal care. And Terry was diagnosed with placenta previa. Placenta previa just simply means that the placenta is in front of the baby and that if the baby is born without the placenta moving, it can rupture the placenta and then a mom can hemorrhage to death. It's a, it's, it's a serious matter. And so when we went in for, and it was probably like the third month or fourth month, and I remember the doctor saying, you have placenta pre- previa, so we're going to have to monitor this because sometimes as the baby grows, the placenta will move out of the way as the uterus kind of stretches, and then you'll be able to, to have uh, a, a natural delivery. Otherwise, we have to schedule a C-section. That's, and we have to schedule a C-section far enough in advance so that you don't go into labor early because if the placenta ruptures, you're going to hemorrhage. And so, you know, it's kind of a precarious thing, and I'm, I'm sure it's, it's not all that completely uncommon. Maybe some of you ladies have had that diagnosis as well. Now, our attending doctor, our OBGYN uh, for Austin was um, a lady, a lady doctor, and I only mention that because she was also pregnant at, in the same trimester we were. And in the course of conversation and getting to know her and talking, she mentioned that her baby was breached. Okay, so just kind of tuck that away. So we went in for follow-up sonograms, and every single month, the placenta was still in the way. And when it got to the eighth month, she looked at us and she said, it's not moving at this point. The baby's too big. There's no more room for it to stretch and move out of the way. We're going to schedule, for, schedule you for a C-section. And I remember both of us, Terry and I, looking at each other and looking at the doctor and saying, well, do you mind if we just go ahead and pray right now and just ask that God would, would move that out of the way? And she didn't profess to be a believer, and we didn't even ask her. You know, that's just the way you kind of do faith, right? Don't ask people. Just, just say, can I pray? And then just, you know, most people out of courtesy will go, yeah, sure, let's go ahead and pray. And that's what she did. And so we prayed, and they, she said, all right, Katie, we've got to schedule for another one, like in two more weeks, and, and then we will schedule you for the C-section. And so we came back, and don't you know, the placenta had moved. And she's, she's looking at the sonogram, and she's like, I've, I've never seen it this late in the pregnancy move. And we're like, we know why. <laughs> and then I said to her, do you mind if we pray for you? Because now she's in her late eighth month. Do you mind if we pray for your breech baby? And she's like, well, the baby, it's not gonna, there's no more room for this baby to turn around at this point. But go ahead. So we prayed for her. Don't you know? Don't you know? Those of you from Minnesota, don't you know? That baby moved around, and she delivered a baby that was not breached. And when we had the follow-up post-check, post and she told us that, it was a boost to her faith. So all I'm saying to you is that God can do things in wonderful ways with our bodies because he's still at work. And some of you probably have some dramatic testimonies. There was a lady in our church whose son was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And, um, and her, her son-in-law is a well-known, if I mentioned him, many of you have had surgery by this, he's a great orthopedic surgeon in our area, many of you would know his name, so her son-in-law was in the medical field, and so, you know, he had all the x-rays, and he followed up with it, and documented the whole thing, and we prayed over this guy, and I'm telling you, the Lord healed him of pancreatic cancer, and he went back for follow-up, the whole CAT scan sonogram work, and the doctors were just amazed. God still heals today, friends, and I, and I don't want to discount that at all. And it's the reason why we still will pray and anoint people with oil, as James chapter 5 talks about, for the healing of the sick, because we believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can hope or imagine, and we trust God to do a wonderful, miraculous work for His glory and for the edification of the church. But God still may choose to heal someone by taking them home, and they receive the ultimate healing. 
And I just don't want for people to feel like it has to be all or nothing. That God can heal medically, miraculously, and sometimes eternally. And that takes nothing away from the sovereignty or the omnipotence of God. That just as God sovereignly chooses to give the gift of healing to some people, God also chooses to heal some. You know, you look into John chapter 5, it's a very challenging chapter at the Pool of Bethesda where the Bible talks about how there were, King James uses, a great, uses the words, a great throng where of sick and disabled used to lie. Because they believed when the water got stirred that the first to jump in would be healed. And the Bible in John chapter 5 says that Jesus went to one, went to one who was paralyzed and healed him. Did Jesus love the hundreds or perhaps thousands of others less than the one? Of course not. But Jesus was being obedient to the Father in a sovereign situation to bring healing to one. And God can and still does heal today. And why he chooses sovereignly certain people is his sovereign prerogative. It doesn't mean he's any less loving towards anyone else. In God's infinite plan of things, we can't always comprehend it all, okay? And that's okay to say that. J.B. Phillips said, if, if, if God were um, big enough for me to understand, small enough for me to understand, he would not be big enough for me to worship. And so there are times that we have to recognize, I can't in my human understanding grasp some of this. But, but if, if God were small enough for me to grasp everything about him, he wouldn't be big enough for me to worship. And we have to be willing to defer to God and to realize, we, we pray because we believe that he's able and we trust God and God can heal medically, miraculously, sometimes eternally. And by the way, and then i got to wrap it up on this one. We didn't make much progress, but this is important. We go slowly through this. By the way, God's miraculous healing is not necessarily instantaneously either. Sometimes it can be progressive. Case in point, in Luke chapter 17, there were 10 lepers that Jesus healed. And Jesus gave them instruction to go show themselves to the priests that they would get a certificate of cleansing. And the Bible says that all 10 went. And the Bible says in Luke 17, as they went... They were cleansed. They were not healed immediately when Jesus prayed over them. But as they went on their journey, and then the one out of the ten came back and gave him thanks, and Jesus said, where are the other nine? He was disappointed they had not come back to thank him as well. But the point is that sometimes it's not even instantaneous. Sometimes God can give a progressive healing in your body over a length of time. But we thank him that he is the great healer, and he's still at work in the healing of our bodies today. And we thank him for how he chooses in his mercy to bring healing to us, either medically, miraculously, or sometimes eternally when we will get a brand new body and there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. The old order of things has passed away. Behold, I make all things new, God says. And in heaven... There will never be another pain, another sickness, another sniffly nose, no more achy joints. Amen. God gives us and makes all things new. In the meantime, we pray and we thank Him for His mercy. 
Apostle Paul's message to the church in Corinth was frank and powerful. They needed to make some changes. They knew the truth of Christ because Paul had spent time planting the seeds of truth. They had begun to walk in the ways of Jesus, but they had let lies taint their steps. Those lies are common still today. Is there something you've heard from a spiritual leader that just hasn't sat right in your soul? Don't let it take root. Instead, Take it to the Bible and to your Heavenly Father. Allow Him to show you what is right and what isn't, and then grow in His perfect truth and love. We're so glad you joined us today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians when you join us next time. But for now, we'd like to invite you to visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to learn more about this ministry. You'll be able to hear past teachings, connect with us on social media, and learn more about the church this program originates from. If you're in the Leesburg area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m. at Cornerstone Chapel. You'll find directions and more information on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're excited to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.